1: Right after Brad and I finished recording, the MLB PA Communications Twitter sent a statement out basically saying that the season will start on time and spring training will start on time and it's going to be a 162-game season rather than 154-game season, which is what the owners had come to the table with. Brad and I had this conversation about this deal. It looks like the MLB PA has said no. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm sure there can still be some deals to happen. But this came out literally 20 minutes after Brad and I finished recording. So I just wanted to update you with that just in case this new information changes uh, the conversation. Oh, Though the conversation that Brad and I had was just still continually about the uh, these two organizations, the owners and the players, just not able... To uh, to get along, it's just frustrating to see how far apart they are and stuff. So, anyways, enjoy the show, Thompson to Clark. Spadrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it. Throws to first. It's over.
2: Twenty-seven years of waiting have on in. The Giants have won the pennant. All
1: right, Brad. It's February. We are back. Based on what I read today, and we can we can actually kick off the show here. Yeah, which is that MLB surprise, surprise, MLB and the Players Association differ on uh, what to do here, but they want to delay the season um, until the end of April, which would mean that everything sort of gets delayed so we've been talking about spring training that would get delayed opening day would get delayed and as well as shorten the season to 154 games which historically is what it was before they expanded to 162 so that's kind of interesting Um, and uh, the players aren't exactly sure if that's the right thing even though they'll get paid uh completely for the 162 games so you know even even the season is in influx already and it's February. I feel like February is when I would be ready to go to the, the Giants fan appreciation thing like at, at the beginning, you know, when they do it for the spring training starts. Like it's like right around this time, I'm starting to think, OK, am I going to go to am I going to go to Pac Bell Park and go, you know, check out the interviews and stuff? So like it feels like baseball is coming. But with this announcement, I'm not quite sure. It may be maybe delayed for us a little bit.
2: Well, and it's funny you say that, because right before we started recording, I took I have a little um, my, my mother-in-law is great she knows i just you know love baseball so every christmas she gets me a um a baseball ballparks calendar. So the big one, so I get a big one and I hang it in the garage cause I like to mark on there. Like, uh, I aerated the lawn this day, <laughs> you know, so it's nice to have a calendar. And then when I'm working out in the garage and I like to work out there often and I have my beer fridge out there, so I hang out in the garage. I can, I can see all the ballparks and read the little stats on them and stuff. So this year, my, uh, my father-in-law did the ordering and he accidentally ordered a mini mini calendar. So then she told him, you go back there, you order them a big one. So I ended up getting two calendars for Christmas, a a little mini one. So that one's in my den now. So I just flipped it before we started recording to February. So yeah, like you said, that's the month now we're here, man. I mean, this is like, I flipped it and I go, oh my gosh, like in two weeks, like who cares about the Super Bowl? I mean, you're a Niner fan, I'm a Rams fan, neither of our teams are in it, so who gives a crap? I mean, we're going to At least it. you got a new quarterback. Well, yeah, we got a new quarterback, so that'll be fun. But I mean, this weekend, like I'll have the game on, but you know, there's no parties because of COVID or, or anything, but we've got a bunch of cool puzzles we're going to, I like to hit puzzles during a uh, big game sometimes because it's just kind of fun to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got some Disney puzzles we're going to hit and eat some you know, bad stuff and whatever, um, but but then like the week after that, pitchers and catchers should be reporting, and that's kind of that's kind of what they're talking about. The players are like, "Yeah, we that's fine. You want to give us 162 game pay for 154 games, possibly." But from what Ken Rosenthal is reporting on the, the Athletic, um, reading that article, it doesn't sound like anywhere in there there is wording to guarantee them pay for 162 games it's it's more of a suggestion um but then further down the article, it gets really kind of weird where they want to the the, the uh, MLB wants to kind of hand over to Manfred, say, like, hey, man, here's some, you know, some extra stuff you can do in case of covid. You have the power to shut this down. You have the power to shut that down. And the players are like, no, 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 no. If you're going to do all that. We want that wording in there to say 162 games guaranteed, even if we play 20 games. Right. We we want that service time. We want that guaranteed 162 games. And I get that from, you know, I mean, you look at a lot of these players and some of these players, you know, their life in the MLB might be three years. Yes. And so they want that money. They don't want to get, you know, 31, 32 years old they don't get to play that season and all of a sudden they get bumped out for younger talent and they never got that third season. Uh, that's a, that's a huge deal. And I I feel for them and I, and I get that.
1: The other thing that was interesting in Rosenthal's article is something that we've been asking about, which is, are, are we, when is the universal DH or are we getting the DH in the national league? And so he said that, um, the so I'll actually read from the from the from the piece. He says, uh, that the only way that they'll do this is if the players agree to expanded playoffs like they did last year now the reason why they agreed to expanded playoffs last year is so they could make up some of the money that because the season was so short and so he said that the players fear the inclusion of additional teams in the postseason for the second straight year will reduce club spending by disincentivizing competition so if you if there are 20 teams actually what, what were there like 18 what well, no it was 16 teams in the playoffs last yeah. year right yeah so eight, if eight, half eight. if half of the teams make the playoffs and you know that you only have to beat out half of the teams does that limit the amount of money that you're willing to pay some of the players and I think that's a definitely a concern yeah yeah um, he also, he also wrote that they also think it would cheapen the regular season and result in additional physical wear and tear. So extended playoffs means more games for sure. And the league sees competitive concerns as less of an issue. Most rosters are close to set and most of the top free agents are already signed. So there is such a lack of trust between the players and the owners. It's ridiculous because the players are like, you know, thinking like the worst of the worst, like, oh, you want us to do this so you can spend less money. Oh, you want us to do this because then if we get hurt, then maybe that's you know, that that works in your favor and somehow. So such a distrust between both of these uh, both of these organizations. And I mean <laughs> I get it, but you you hate to see it because you know, it's just it just shows it's it's almost like, um, you know, you know, we, uh, if you're a boxing fan, like the promoter and the fighter, there's always like distrust between them. I never thought baseball would be that bad to, to the extent of where you think of the owners as liars. Right. But it's you know, they, they he didn't actually say this in the article, but it, it makes me think that, you know, these players think that these owners are not thinking of their best, you know, uh, uh, not thinking of the players uh, for their best health, their best care. Uh, the players are the big part of the game and the and the fans go see the players, but the owners still sort of feel like, hmm, this is not basketball, we're still in control here. Whereas basketball, it is very much like a 50-50 thing, I feel like the players have absolutely gone out there and said, we need more power and have gotten it. But I, st- I don't see that with baseball at all.
2: No. And it's been going on for so long. I mean, God, you know, us, us old timers remember 1994. I mean, that, that was a rough season because, uh, you know, of, of getting chopped off right at the halfway mark. And, uh, and, and so, you know, a lot of that bled over, over the years. Um, and I get it. I mean, you know, if you're a player and you're in the players organization, uh, players association, you want all this stuff in writing. I mean, it just makes sense. It's it's like, you know, if, if, you know, when you were a kid, your parent came to you and I hate to look at this as a, you know, a parent and a kid relationship, because it should not be that way. Without the players, you're not getting revenue without Bryce Harper getting signed by Philadelphia. You're not getting as many people in the stands. Um, you know, it kind of goes both ways. But, but when you were a kid, if your parents said, Hey, you know, you clean your room and, and, and you can have five bucks and then you clean your room and you go out to them and go, Hey, I cleaned my room. And they go, well, you didn't get the stuff underneath the bed. So sorry, no five bucks. (laughs) Get that in writing before you do it and say, or you you did it." (laughs) $2.50 $2.50 <laughs> job. Here's half. <laughs> yeah. So, so get that in writing and say, well, what does a clean room mean? And I can't, uh, I use that as an example because I can't tell you how many times I go to my girls and I like, Hey, can you guys clean up the room? And they go, dad, what do you mean by clean? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do I mean by clean? I I mean, if it doesn't belong there, put it away. That's, That's I, awesome. I don't know what else to tell you. So <laughs> the negotiation in this house is amazing. I've got two lawyers. Well, that, that you're
1: outnumbered, which oh, is the problem.
2: I got uh, 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 you know, a wife, two daughters, and two female cats. So it's... Uh, it's I'm you you just that. better wait. You, you just wave the white flag. Just, just like, I, I I, I, I'm going to lose yeah. no matter what. I can't. And it was speaking of the garage earlier. I can't tell him how many times I just go, okay, sounds good, and I head out to the garage, open the beer fridge, crack a beer, <laughs> and pull out a chair, put on some Sinatra, and just look out at the stars. It you know it happens yeah. often.
1: So but, I mean, I guess bottom line is w- th- this is going to be an ongoing negotiation. I imagine that as we get closer to the beginning that's when there's going to be more of an impetus to get things done which sucks because i'm sure for the players they would want to know especially in this time with the pandemic where they're their schedule is different right their their future yeah. is different they they're unsure there's a lot of uncertainty and they they would like to know okay what can we expect here so for the players i would hope that they get something done quickly but if this is how it usually works i i think that it's probably going to go down to closer to the beginning and um you know we'll, we'll see what happens because i i think uh, with this kind of season where We've, we saw it last year. There was the positives. We saw football treats the COVID positives. Basketball's having their own issue. Even if you get the season going and everything is hunky-dory, there is still to worry about the virus and what happens and, you know, will, will there be fans and all of that stuff. So just such a crazy season. And, you know, like we've always said, you know, hopefully it's coming to an end fairly soon, but, uh, I, I can imagine, you know, I, and, and look, I'm not only 100% pro player. I, I do more generally sit on the, on the pro player side, but you know, the owners, uh, they, I think people uh, fans I think fans perceive owners as a little bit stubborn a little older only worried about money and I like I don't see the Giants ownership like that you know the, the Giants have a an owner that uh, or a, a majority owner who's getting a little flack these days because of his politics but I don't see their ownership as just like this. Money hungry organization. Like the, the the Giants players seem to love playing for this organization. So, um, but you know we'll have to see what happens and we'll we'll update it here. And I just I just want baseball to happen. I want it to be smart. I want the players to feel like they're getting a great deal. I want the owners to feel like there's a good product out on the field. Maybe if we get figure out a way to improve on the Manfred situation, that'll probably be great. But otherwise, like, you know, th- th- there are just some things that I think we can get some of those things and it doesn't have to be perfect. And I think fans will still be pretty happy.
2: Well, and, and I think the, the big key to all of this, too, uh, and again, reading the article and, and, and Rosenthal drives home the point and, and, you know, you forget about it as you're reading the article. Th- they're playing this year. I mean, if, 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 the, if the association, the Players Association, does not agree to this and they say, no, we're not going to start a month later, blah, 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 they're playing. They're still going to play. So there's a deal in place. They're still under the old um, um, CBA, which expires on December 1st of this coming, you know, this year here, 2021. Um, But but the owners are just saying, we want to make this safer for you. We want to give it one more month, more vaccinations. Maybe we can get people in the stands that way. Um, You know, maybe we can gather less people together. Uh, But if the Players Association says, no, we're good. Then they're reporting in a week or two uh, and then uh, spring training games start in. Let's see. I, I wrote it down here because it's very important for us. 26 days from now, uh, the, the time we're recording this, 26 days, uh, the Giants have their first uh, spring training game. So so if the Players Association says no, um, we just want to do what we're doing, then that's what's going to happen. Um, there, there's no lockout. There's no strike. There's nothing that's going to happen now. Uh, that could happen after December 1st when they start negotiating. Cause like you said, the, the players uh, or uh, the uh, owners are saying, let's start a month later and Oh, by the way, let's throw in this expanded playoffs and the players are saying, well, cool. You want to do that? Let's have a DH universal <laughs> DH. And then the, the owners are saying, no, we don't want that. So, you know what? Save all that for after December 1st, play the season as it's going to get played uh, and just go from there. So, and that and that's what kind of we're looking at at this point all right. A
1: couple of things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, this the next topic will probably be pretty short, which is the the Hall of Fame situation. Mm. No, nobody nobody made it this year, <laughs> yeah, so which
2: I it'll think, be short. <laughs> I think
1: I predicted that, by the way, when yeah, we talked about this earlier. Uh, we're going to talk about the new Giants, uh, second baseman, third baseman, infielder, left handed hitter, and then uh, we'll wrap it up by we talked to Darren Chan, KMBR's audio engineer and producer last week, uh, which was awesome. And it made me think because he talked a lot about the announcers, the announcing team, how good that team is uh, and, you know, how renowned they are in all of baseball. And I wanted to go through and kind of pick your memories of previous Giants broadcasters as we end this show. So that'll be that'll be fun. All right. So um, before we get going,
2: did you want to mention your beverage for tonight oh yeah sent you a picture of it i'm gonna post it on our instagram as well uh my wife uh hits uh uh, sam's club every now and then and they always have some interesting stuff there uh in terms of whiskeys and and bourbons and different things um So she sent me a picture and I'm sure some people have heard of this. I had never heard of it, but she uh, uh, mentioned an article in the Martha Stewart Living Magazine, which I do not read. Uh, (laughs) my, My wife reads it. So she said, hey, I read this article and here's a picture of this whiskey that was in an article in there. And it's called Uncle Nearest. Uh, and it's the 1884 small batch whiskey, and there were two different ones there. There was the 1884 and another one that's just a regular whiskey. Um, This one's 93 proof, Um, and the the story behind it apparently is that there was a, um, uh, back in the day, Jack Daniels, when he was making uh, or going to start making his whiskey, uh, there was a slave named Nathan Nearest Nearest. Green and he taught uh, uh, Jack Daniels a uh, certain liquor making technique that actually made Jack Daniels what it is. So there was an author named Fawn Weaver who looked a little bit more into this and she went ahead and started a distillery. And said, so, well, I'm going to talk to uh, Nearest Green's uh, family and get them on board as well, and we're going to start making whiskey the way that, that he made it and taught Jack Daniels to make it. So they ended up hiring... Um, the great, great granddaughter of nearest green, uh, Victoria Edie Butler. And she is, uh, she became the first, uh, African American woman to hold the title, uh, of a the master blender at any distillery. So this is the product of that. and, and, uh, I haven't had whiskey like, you know, I drink bourbon, I drink uh, scotch and, and whatnot. I haven't had like just straight sour mash whiskey in years since I've had Jack Daniels. This is phenomenal. Wow. I am blown away by this. Um, It's $50 for this particular bottle at Total Wine, but at Sam's Club, it was running for $32. uh, And that's the regular price. So I told my wife after I had a sip, I go, next time you're there, just buy two bottles (laughs) because it's like the price of one at Total Wine. I want this on hand. This is a sitting back, listening to music, relaxing. This is the good stuff, man.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm actually gonna go on total wine. Yeah the next time that, uh, my wife, crystal runs out of wine. (laughs) So we just, we just order it. We order it in bulk. Yeah. And I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to have you, I think you sent me the picture already, but I've I've actually heard this story. Another friend, uh, mentioned this to me. And so, yeah, it's an awesome story and I I definitely want to try it out. So,
2: well, and it's appropriate too. today is February 1st that we're recording this. It is the first day of black history month. So this is an appropriate drink for that. Um, And uh, I'm just completely floored by this. I, because I thought, oh, I'm going to have whiskey again, and I had bad experiences with whiskey (laughs) in college, uh, especially Jack Daniels. And so I thought, well, it's going to bring back some bad memories. And this, and no, I mean, this is smooth. It's very complex. Very uh, lots of caramel flavor to it. Just kind of some real warmth to it. It is just excellent. I put one ice cube in it, and uh, I and I love it so far.
1: All right, can I ask you a question about yeah. and you and you don't you don't have to answer this honestly right. if you don't want to, but for you and your wife with the way that the pandemic uh has kept us inside of our house all the time, has drinking in your
2: fam in your household gone up because of it? Early on it did because it was more of a gimmick. Yeah. It, it, you know what I mean? Like you're sitting at your desk working four 45 hits and you're like, Hey, <laughs> I'm finishing up some work here. That's going to take me past five o'clock. I'm going to crack a beer now. Um, so, so early on, it was a bit of a, uh, more of a gimmick. Like I can do this and I can have two and then the next day I don't have to wake up so early and this and that. So, and that kind of faded out around June. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm usually like a one drink a night person. Um, and on the weekends, you know, sometimes I can have two on a Friday and then mm. Saturdays is when I cut loose uh, yeah. and that's, so I think I've gone back to, uh, over the last few months back to my pre pandemic drinking, which is like a drink a night, you know, either a beer or a bourbon or a scotch. Um, so no, yeah, early on it kind of took off a little bit and <laughs> it never got out of hand, but it got out of calories, you know, it got to the point where I was like, Oh, I, why am I not losing any weight? I'm working out all the time, and I know it's the uh, two or three drinks a night. Is what it is, so yeah. yeah. But what about you guys?
1: So definitely, it's just become a more casual deal for us. I think, and I think mm-hmm. we've sort of realized that, and um, we are trying to like figure out if we want to go more on like a schedule like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll have a couple drinks on the weekend, but during the week, we'll just kind of chill out because I think, like you said, it became a gimmick. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're like, oh, we're going to be inside all this time. You know, we we should at least, you know, how do we deal with this? And I think like we're like, even tonight, we were like, maybe we shouldn't have a drink. And then I was like, oh, but I got the podcast. <laughs> and so then we're both like, OK, let's just have a drink and be fine. But I think what we're going to try to do is like throughout the week try and really cut back because we both realized that it just became like way too casual and i think when things just become way too casual they kind of lose their specialness and it just becomes like oh this is just kind of what we do and we don't you know we don't want drinking to become that so i think we're gonna we're gonna figure we're gonna try and you know figure out like what is the right amount because like when you go back into non-pandemic world the you know life just sort of. It, it just resets you, and you're like, oh, I can't have this glass of whiskey on Wednesday night at midnight because I actually have to wake up and go into the office tomorrow, you know? Yeah. So, so, um, what I, I did decide I wasn't going to drink, I was just going to have uh, a little bit of, uh, cold coffee. But then when I was like, ah, oh, we're doing the podcast and it's fun, <laughs> you know, this is kind of our thing. And so then I did get a little bit of, um, I got a little bit of the Jameson
2: uh, IPA. Go. I still got to try that. I got to put yeah. that on the cart because I I want to try. I make cold brew at home, and I really want to try that. I want to see what it tastes like.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah. Mine. Mine is sort of normal, but I did like. I did like yours. I'm gonna have to try that out. Okay. Let's talk about this Hall of Fame stuff really quickly. So you had. You had a bunch of people just just decide. I am not going to vote for anybody. I think there was fourteen. Ballots that were completely empty, sort of rebellious in that way, and thus Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. I don't think Bonds and Clemens make it anyways, even if those fourteen people voted. Uh, but Schilling was was pretty close. He did lose a little bit of steam this year, probably because of uh, him sort of being a bigot. <laughs> like I think that think? I think that would make
2: a difference. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, but no one goes into the Hall of Fame, and I think. Um, You know, that's uh, that's a that's a political statement. It is continuing. You know, there's there's just a certain amount of people who are never going to vote in Bonds and Clemens because of the steroid thing. And now it looks like Schilling is going to be shut out, too. And he you know, he went out there and he's like, I want off the ballot. I I want the Veterans Committee. And I'm just (laughs) like, dude, the Veterans Committee, you just put them on blast. They're
2: not going to vote for you (laughs) now. Like, no way. You know, they're going to be. Does he need to uh, apologize? Does he need to do? And he's not going to. No, he won't. But if, but if he were to, if he really wanted to get in the Hall of Fame, would he have to apologize? Which again, I don't think is right either. I mean, I, you know, I don't obli- I don't obviously agree or believe in any of his politics or any of his nonsense. Um, but if he went out and apologized for all of it. At that point, what does it mean? Well, you know, it's already been out there. He's already said it. If he apologizes for it and then they go ahead and vote him in, it's garbage anyway. So uh, he's just going to be out. He's not going to make it in. And, and and, and you know, uh, there's not many people I say I'm fine with that uh, because I, I, I really think, you know, with everything Bonds did and whatnot, he should be in with everything Clemens did. He should be in. They played in an era where it was all over the place. But what Schilling is doing is not right for the country, for every human being in the country. And so I'm fine with him not being it. And I'm I'm cool with that.
1: Yeah, look, I think when you are holding out guys because of this morals clause, and this is why bonds and Clemens are are held out, right? Because there is a morals clause. You have Joe Jackson, Shoeless Joe Jackson not in the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose not in the Hall of Fame. I'm sure many others because of this. This is an actual interesting example because Kurt Schilling is probably a Hall of Famer, but he's also not a surefire Derek Jeter Hall of Famer. He's gonna be close to that number of whatever that 75% number is. But when you add this other piece, this is part of the morals clause like you are a bigot in 2021 let alone when the Hall of Fame was created like this kind of behavior you don't want this to represent what should be the uh, the creme de la creme especially if you're still holding out these other guys if if the Hall of Fame was like you know what steroids bad racism good, that's a bad sign. Right. You know? So I'm, I'm fine with it. I think if he would have shut his mouth for the last three years he's in, and then they would have probably been a little bothered that he was in based on the stuff that he says. And then, so to, to, for that, for the Hall of Fame, it's actually good that he's, you know, kind of became a, a weirdo these last few years because now they are able to utilize their votes and keep him out because, you know, they're, they're not going to want him to, to represent what, that hall of fame supposedly means to a lot of people.
2: But here's the scary thing. You say that and Schilling was the leading vote getter Mm -hmm. of, of all of them ahead of bonds and Clemens. I mean, if, if they really renounced uh, racism and, you know, awful politics and, and uh, everything else that Schilling stands for, he, he shouldn't even be the number one vote getter. It should be Bonds, Clemens. You go down the list and Schilling should be at the bottom. But but that's the scary fact of it all is, you know, the voters knew all that stuff. And yet he was so close to getting in. So and this wasn't something that popped up the last month. Yeah, like you said, it's been three years. It's been four years. It's been however long he's been at it, and so that—that's the part I don't quite understand, and, and 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 we may never get. I mean, you know, we know we know where almost half the country stands, and we know the, where the other half of country stands. Yeah. So, you know that. That being said, that that's that's the scary part about this whole thing, but. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, okay, so enough of that. Let's talk well, no. about. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What? Let's not go too far here. We have uh, we have somebody that dropped off the ballot. Okay. Forever, and we won't see him back on the ballot. And that's Rally Zito. Oh yes, <laughs> he got point two percent of the vote, and so Rally Zito, I, I am, I am sad to report, will not be in the Hall of Fame. At, at least at this point of his career.
1: I mean, I mean if you if you looked at if you looked at like the first, um, I don't know how many years would that have been where he looked like he was gonna be you know in the mix right, and then the career fell off after he signed with the Giants.
2: Let's go first four years.
1: Yeah, interesting guy comes out of the uh, uh, USC plays for the A's. They got the the aces with him and Hudson and Mulder. And he's kind of the quirky one, the kind of the cool, like John Mayer-ish type of personality. And then he signs that contract with the Giants and becomes corporate Zito and just falls off the cliff a little bit.
2: <laughs> cuts the hair, like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, so is it Samson and Delilah cuts the <laughs> hair and then he just does not uh, not the same. But yeah, those first four years, what a uh, 2002. Cy Young Award 23 and 5, 2.75 ERA 2002. I mean, just you know, if that Zito would have kept going, or even just you know, a portion of that Zito, uh, we'd be talking a little different today, I think. But it, yeah, so he falls off the ballot, he's not coming back on it, and uh, let's pour one out.
1: Yeah, pour, pour <laughs> one out for Zito. Barry, Barry and Roger aren't getting in no matter how badly we we wish that that they would um but yeah so um all right let's talk about the Giants new middle infielder here tommy Lestella. I feel like he's been in the league long enough to where um I should know a little bit more about his career but I was like kind of digging through because he he his first big league season is 2014 and he's really like just the ultimate like punch and Judy hitter. And then in 2019 in just 292 ABs, uh he hits uh 16 jacks. So last year um in the pandemic season, 196 ABs, five jacks, he hits 280 um just uh just uh see, see he's just kind of uh, would you call him giantsy like can play multiple positions doesn't strike out sees you know lots of long ab's kind of the the
2: perfect Zadie type of player well i i think he yeah i think he is uh zady e uh, as what i think he is i mean and that you know and and Zadie the past couple of seasons, I've noticed a trend here. He, um, is, is kind of putting teams together like I do in out of the park baseball. <laughs> you know, you don't want to spend too much. You don't want to lock guys up for too long. Uh, you want to leave your options open after a couple of seasons. And so, uh, La on a three-year deal, that's a huge deal for Zadie right there. Uh, three-year deal. I don't even know if it's official quite yet.
1: Um, yeah, there there was there's like a weird hold up going on somehow. But yeah, it's and like, were, like it's, all the beat writers are writing about him. So
2: Yeah, and I think they were still hashing out details. And then you've got the whole physical thing. And with COVID, that always takes a little bit longer. Uh, but I don't think it would be reported on if it wasn't going to happen at this point. Um, but yeah, like like you said, 2019 hit 16 home runs. He he discovered the launch angle, I yeah. think, is, is what it is. And he hit 295 that year. Um, but the reason why we don't know much about the guy is because his career high in games is 123 yeah uh and and you know in one season before that it was 93 games 33 74 73 and then 123 and then 80 and then 55 last year which is 55 out of 60 which is uh, you know almost a complete season then last year uh last year he only hit five home runs 25 ribs and and hit 281 but um, the one thing mostly being reported on, which is uh, you know just awesome to see, and, and I think this was Baggerly. He wrote this nice little article about him um, He has a 5.3 percent strikeout rate. And last year, Major League Baseball was at twenty three point four. That's almost. So Major League Baseball, you just you figure every four times somebody's up, they strike out once. Yeah. As a whole, as as uh, Major League Baseball, he was striking out five percent of the time. And that's easily the lowest. So he struck out twelve times last year in two hundred and twenty eight bats and walked twenty seven times. I mean, that's. Uh, that's Tony Mm Gwynn-esque right there, you know, without the batting average, but (laughs) still that's every, every time he strikes out, he walked twice. That, that is what Zadie's looking for guys who can get on base. It's that blueprint, that Billy bean blueprint that, that Zadie came from. Um, and he's trying to put that back together again with the giants. And then you get a couple of pop guys, um, that could hit the ball out of the ballpark, but, but getting those guys that can get on base, um, can hit for a little bit of power and can play three different positions. I mean, Lestella can play second, he can play third, he can play first base. So they've got a, a, you know, kind of a backup to belt who had heel surgery. Um, you've got a backup to Solano and Longoria who are both right-handers and Lestella is a left-hander. So you get that left-handed bat that the giants have wanted all offseason. Uh, they're Still probably looking maybe for another left-handed outfielder, uh, but this is great. I mean, I love this. I, I love these moves so far, and I'm not just, you know, I'm not just drinking from the teat. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm loving all these moves because it's exciting baseball. It's fun baseball. If if you're if you've ever played out of the park baseball and I keep going back to that, if you've got guys you can plug in, this guy's cold. Cool. I've got this guy on the bench who could hit 300 and he's a lefty. So I can plug him in against righties. No problem. When you've got different things you can do, you've got options, you can move guys around. You have different ways of winning ball games. And, and for the Giants last year, if they would have had Listella. Uh, that's a couple more wins. Uh, of course, Lestella hit a big home run against Trevor God in the ninth. So that's take one loss <laughs> away right there. And then we're in the playoffs. So, I yep. mean, little things like that just make a difference.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Um, so this is a little bit. yastrzemski because what his, if you look at his baseball reference uh, page, what you'll see is Listella is actually going back and forth between AAA and the Bigs up until like 2000 and hold on, I had it up here all the way through 2000 and. Uh, 18, It looks like, no, 17. So he's not even a full-time big leaguer until 2018. Like from, from uh, 2012 through 2017, he's kind of going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And now, I think he's like 32, right? Yeah, so Now he's 32.
2: Thirty-two yesterday, actually. So
1: he he's he's a piece now, which which is uh, reminds me a little bit of the um, the same kind of curve for Yastrzemski. So Yastrzemski uh, and they're both uh, they're, they're they're like I think Yastrzemski is like one year younger maybe than than Listella. but Yastrzemski from. Um, it's even worse for him because he's just going triple a double a triple a double a triple a double a and then finally gets to the Giants in 2019 didn't even make how can you not make the big league club with the Orioles until your year 28 season like this is the Orioles No, they were awful and and finally the Giants get him and and he hasn't he's been he's been back to Sacramento um like he played in Sacramento for part of the 2019 season, and then he was up with us for the majority of it. So it's like these guys who, you know, for whatever reason, they're not seen as like these uh, these prospects, the, the Joey Bart or the Lucky Luciano kind of players who you kind of like, you're you're guiding them through the system so that they don't have to go back and forth. But guys like Stella and Jastrzemski, I haven't seen Dickerson's uh, Dickerson's page, but I'm sure Dickerson's sort of similar in that way that they they're not like those top prospect guys who you make room for and who you create you know you create pathways for them they're just fighters <laughs> like they just don't yeah. give up and they try to improve every year to get to that next level so you like that you know the giants are more scrappy than they are you know like the padres or the dodgers who just have all of these like you know a plus prospects but the giants you know they the Stella fits that scrappiness Uh, Profile And I I like it, too. And I I just hope that um, I hope that in the scrappiness of of the team that some of these prospects do make it up because you do need talent. You do need a Tatis. You do need a Machado. Right. Yeah. And, And so hopefully one of those guys does hit so that you build this team of guys who are working their butts off and who might not be the top-level talent, but they work so hard and they improve so much that they actually are really great big leaguers and, and you have this great mix. I think that would be really great for them. So um, that's what I'm hopeful for. Like, Zadie has a type. You know, Zadie, well, I, I'm sure uh, when he was dating, he had a type because he sure as hell has a type with a baseball player. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and if you could fill a team with that type, yeah, you can win a lot of ball games. I mean, this this team... It's hard to say. I mean, you know, you've got the Dodgers in front of you you, you defending uh, fake World Series champs. You've got the Padres. And so can you win with uh, with with a team full of guys like this? Like you said, no, you still have to have a Tetis. You still have to gu- have a guy who's going to hit 30 home runs, probably. Um, you know, 2010, 12, and 14, did you need that? No, you didn't, because you had dominant pitching. Well, this this Giants team does not have dominant pitching. So they got to have a mix of both. They've got to have the type of pitching they have now, uh, which is a bunch of scrappy guys, um, guys who are reclamation projects who go out, out there and and can you know turn things around because Bannister and his guys have, have got them dialed in and Andrew Bailey, um, and then you throw in a bunch of uh, guys that you can mix in and create a, a, a good lineup night in and, and night out to compete and you can win you know six to four ball games and, and things we couldn't do back in the in, in the early two thousand and tens we had to win those games three to two we had to make sure that B. Weezy was on in two thousand. We had to make sure that, uh, you know, 2012 Romo was on, uh, now it's kind of like, well, Can we get a couple guys on base and get an accidental home run? Absolutely. You can get a three run shot and you can get right back into a ball game. Uh, Something we haven't seen as Giants fans in a long time. Um, But speaking of Lestella and and like you said, you know, scrapping it out and punching it out. When you look at his minor league stuff, he's been that guy, which is great. Um, You know, going all the way back to 2012, a ball and rookie ball combined. He struck out 25 times and walked 40 times. And that's in. 376 plate appearances, hit 300 in the minors. So, I mean, you know, you walk 40 times and you strike out 25. That's a guy you want on your team. He's going to find a way to get on base. Um, yeah, he'll put the ball in play. Maybe he won't put it in play loudly, but he'll put it in play. And if you need to move runners along, that's what you got to do. So Okay, if you, uh, if you a, were to I predict, mean, sorry, yeah. is
1: he going to be better the same or not quite as good as like the best version of Joe panic better. You think so?
2: Yes, absolutely. Because Panic was, uh, Panic could get on base. Uh, great defense. And that's the, that's the one thing lacking from La Stella, though. Uh, so maybe I'll, I'll say even. Okay. Uh, because you have to take away a little bit of that uh, defense. Um, but he's going to have the pop. Joe Panic didn't have the pop. Uh Lastella is going to have the pop. Uh, left-handed hitter at AT&T. Do we have scrims up? Do we have scrims up to keep the ball um, from getting knocked down? We don't know yet, but we're going to have the big part of the yard. Are they going to shade him to triples alley? Probably. Can he pull the ball down the line? Probably. So I think I'm going to give him a little bit of an even on Joe Panic um, with more flexibility because you can go third, you can go second, you can go uh, first base. So
1: yeah, the flexibility is key with him, and that that's what like I was trying to think of uh, another player who who was. You know, and, and Joe Panic's also left-handed, also put the bat on the ball. Uh, but yeah, I think I think uh, if he, if he's better than that version of Joe Panic, then I think that's a really good player.
2: Is he going to break his belt on a uh, diving for a ball on a double play? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so. To end this show, I wanted to talk about some broadcasters of our youth because when we were talking to Darren uh, last week, I like I, I just got in that like mode of like KMBR and when I was a kid watching and listening to games, and I always really really loved you knowing who the broadcasters were, and so I'm gonna go through um, only eras in which you and I would have possibly been able to watch. Okay. Uh, and we'll go through TV, and I'll just go through some random people and, and, and ask you if you remember, and then we'll go through radio as well. It won't, won't be too long. You know, we don't have too much time here, but uh, just some names that I'm just pulling out. I'm like, oh my God, I remember him. <laughs> so we'll start on the television side. Yeah. 1974 to 1987. And uh, the 1987 year was his last year, and I'm wondering if it was because clark cussed on national tv when they clinched the championship or they clinched the uh nl west gary park gary park i remember gary park he did yes television for the giants from 1974 to 1987.
2: And I posted that not too long ago on our YouTube channel. You mm-hmm. can see the uh, Will Clark cuss fest. F-bomb. You can see. Yeah, I think I have the bottom of the ninth on there. Uh Giants clinch it with another guy. Can I throw out another name? Yeah, go for it. Calling that game. Steve Fizziak. Mm-hmm. I was going to um, bring him up. <laughs> They have him, you know, I'm looking at a Wikipedia page right now. They have him 1988 to 89 on TV, but he called that game in 87. Uh, So I think they mixed that one up. I wonder if he was a a fill-in or something. He could have been because they have Ron Fairley as 1987, but I remember Fairley and Hagen on radio in, in that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Steve Fiziok with the call of the little looper to left, you know, the last out. And uh, I think Hackman goes all the way back to the wall and catches it at the wall, <laughs> like up against the wall, <laughs> arm up. I mean, it was close to being a home run, but he <laughs> in a one run game and he called it a little looper to left. I'll never forget that one. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely remember Gary Park. Uh, early memories there. Yes.
1: All right. So this this guy is the broadcaster of our youth from 1982 to 1986. Then he goes uh, for two years. He goes and does Yankee games, comes back in 89 when the Giants go to the World Series through 1992, Hank
2: Greenwald. He, you know, if it weren't for Hank Greenwald, I honestly don't know if I get into broadcasting. Um, He hearing him call games was just outrageously awesome. Um, he was so talented. Uh, he had such a great sense of humor. Dry, uh, super dry sometimes too. Oh, very dry. <laughs> but but as a kid, I got it. You I know, loved and that it. I love that it. was the cool thing. And uh, memories of going on vacation, we would drive up to um, during the summer. We had a, a, a camper, and my dad would haul us up to uh, you know uh, the Chico Reading area where you'd still get games on the on the radio because you just flip over to the affiliate or listening to games and like 86, 87, um, uh, to Hank Greenwald and then, uh, going up to like Oregon and Washington and trying to find the affiliates up there, which was always hard to do. Um, but he had a book and I don't remember what year it was published, but it was called the cut this copyrighted broadcast. Oh yes. I remember this book. I've never read this. I need to find this book. Well, don't not that good buying it now. No, no, I haven't read it. That's the problem. I haven't read it yet. And I I just punched it up on Amazon because I had it. I was going to buy a used copy a few years back and I didn't pull the trigger. Now you can get the hard copy on Amazon for seven hundred and sixty-eight dollars, <laughs> or you can get a used copy for ninety-three. Oh so that's what God. I'm saying. Don't no don't, Kindle. Don't get it. They don't get it. No Kindle? Kindle. Oh No, man. No Kindle version. So that's that's a tough one. Um, if there was a Kindle version, I would definitely have it. There's one collectible version for hundred dollars. Um, so yeah, I don't know why that one is so hard to get. It came out in nineteen ninety nine. And I should have grabbed it. I had it on my Christmas list one year, never got it. And then I just, I I forgot about it. So, um, but anyway, absolute legend, absolute giants legend, the cigar, right? I mean, You can never forget the cigar. He'd have a cigar after games and stuff, and and maybe during games. I don't know. We never saw him, so. (laughs) All right,
1: so I'll quickly go through some before I get to my next one that I want your your, uh, color commentary
2: on. So Phil Stone, I remember Phil Stone. Uh, Vaguely. He's he's there in 86. Uh, Now, I didn't have Giant's Vision, so I don't know if he was... Well, we'll, yes. So um, we'll get to Giants Vision here in a second.
1: Joe Morgan, 1986 to 1993. Not too many people know that he did a lot of their games before he went to ESPN to work with John Miller. And Joe Morgan, very much in the Giants Zone era, Giants Vision era from uh, where basically you could see all the games on TV when they were away. But when they were home, you kind of had to pay like a subscription price through your cable in order to watch their home games.
2: Yeah, and I didn't we didn't have cable. I think we talked about this a couple of broadcasts ago, uh, a couple of shows ago. We didn't have cable and we didn't get anything till 95. We got direct TV and at that point it was a uh, Sportsnet Sportsnet West or something like that and Giants Vision had gone away but every time I saw that Giants Vision logo I would get anxiety (laughs) because I knew that there were so many visual games at home that I was missing and I because you know when you had KTVU and that's all you had now we're so uh, spoiled we can watch a game like everyone every single one of them yeah. And when I had a, a KTVU in the antenna, that's all we had. It's like you got road games yep. and you just didn't get those home games unless we went to the playoffs or unless they decided to pick up a Saturday game with uh, Vin Scully and, uh, and Vin Scully and uh, Joe Gargiola. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those were always fun.
1: All right. So Ron Fairley, you mentioned Ron. Ron goes from. Uh, he's he's there in 87. According to Wikipedia, he's there in 87 and then he goes away for two years and comes back 90 through 92. I don't remember that part. I just remember my dad going like, I can't believe Ron Fairley is doing color commentary because he's a stupid dodger. Yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, Ron Fairley and Wayne Hagen, they, those two guys... Uh, together were a lot of fun. They, they actually brought a lot of light to the broadcast. Uh, they talked a lot about baseball technique and um, they always had a lot of fun, interesting stories. And so I spent a lot of uh, evenings of, um, you know, supposed to be in bed, so faking sleep while I had my little transistor radio underneath my pillow so I can listen to some of the later games. And, and so those guys, you know, they, they, they brought a lot of life to my, my fake sleep Back in the day. And then uh,
1: this is the one I wanted to ask you to see if you knew. So Dwayne (laughs) Kuyper. This says 1985. I don't remember him actually doing television in 1985 though I wonder if he did like pregame stuff or, or something uh and then through 1992 and then
2: he leaves for a year do you remember where he went you know somebody let me punch it up real quick somebody posted this on our YouTube channel and corrected me on this uh I had posted a video uh let me see if I can do this quickly um, I had posted a video, uh, no, I'm not going to be able to find it quickly. I apologize. Um, anyways, I had posted a video and had said something about, I believed, uh, Ron Fairley had left and gone to Colorado for a year and then came back and this person corrected me and said, no, it was Kuyper right. who, who actually went to Colorado. Yes. And I don't remember that at all. He did. He went to Colorado for a year. I don't remember why exactly. And 93 was
1: Colorado's first year. Yeah, I think, you know, they, they probably just like threw a ton of money at him to, to yeah. do it. Um, but then I, I was kind of sad, you know, so I'm growing up. They would do these uh, pregame shows uh, on the giant. Like if, if you were listening to the Giants broadcast, you would. This is even before the pregame show starts. So the first one that they had was the Dwayne Kuyper show, and he'd do like 15 minutes, he's still a player, and they'd go over some things on the show. Then, when he retired, it became... The Bob Brenly show, yeah. and so Bob Brenly would do 15 minutes before every game, and the uh, you know the KBR guys would be able to talk to him a little bit, and then it became the Brett Butler show. I don't remember what happened after the Brett Butler show, but they would do that with players, and they would do like little 15 minute hits before the game started, and uh, Kuiper was so good that this was literally his career. And look, (laughs) Bradley did broadcasting too, right? He was, he He still does. yeah. 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 He's, he's pretty good at broadcasting. So it was kind of like a little bit of, um, a tryout, in a sense, for both of those guys. I don't know if uh, Butler's coaching. So I don't know if he ever did any broadcasting, but he was well, kind of he Brett was, Butler's kind of charming guy.
2: He was, yeah. And and you know what? He was a, a Brett Butler was a manager of the uh, AAA affiliate of the Diamondbacks here in Reno, the Aces. And God, this town loved him. Yep. He was the first manager of of the team in 2009 when the, the team was conceived, and uh, this town just absolutely loved that guy. And it was so fun to go. I got to uh, interrupt a, a conversation between Brett Butler and uh, and a gentleman in the stands who I recognized immediately, and I went down and got an autograph from both of them. So I got an autograph from Butler and Willie McGee. They were having a, a oh, night. Wow conversation what down Willie in Willie doing there? I don't know, but it was so cool. So I ran down and I go, oh my God. So on the back of one of my tickets, the ticket for that game, I got both of their autographs. Nice. It was pretty cool. And here I, at that time, I was like, you know, 40 years old and I'm like, yeah. hey, get your autograph. <laughs> 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 like, who's this guy?
1: All right. So you mentioned Physioc already. So we had Ted Robinson, 1993
2: to 2001. I love Ted Robinson. I thought he did an awesome job. And if you're a Ted Robinson fan uh, and also an ATP uh, tennis fan yes. like I am, you get to hear him call so many tennis games. And he is just Phenomenal, so good to listen to. The guy, he knows his stuff. He's so smooth. He can pretty much do any sport. He he could, and I would enjoy it. He did the 49ers for several
1: years before Greg Papa came back uh, to do the 49ers. So Kruko comes in at 93. Everyone knows Kruko. John Miller comes in in 97. Obviously,
2: everyone knows John Miller. Do you remember the great Joe Angel? Absolutely. I remember Joe Angel. He came over from the Orioles, and him and John Miller uh, broadcast together over in Baltimore, and they had a good rapport. So they they were good together. I don't know why he didn't last as long as he did. Um, I, I want to say there was controversy, but I don't remember that, but I liked him. I thought him and Miller together on the radio were awesome. Um, cause I think he did some of the radio side for a little bit. It's listed here. He did television, but, um, but they were both fun together. I think the issue might've been, and again, this is just me saying this, uh, this is not controversial, uh, but they sounded very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miller and Angel sounded really close to each other. So sometimes, oh, uh, especially on radio, it was really hard to figure out who exactly was talking sometimes because they had the same cadence and same voice almost. But uh, but I like Joe Angel. I thought he was fun. Joe Angel did... Uh...
1: Hasta la vista, pelota.
2: Yes. And doesn't John Miller do that sometimes too? Yeah, John Miller. Uh, John Miller says adios, pelota. Oh, there you go. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and uh, right. Angel would say hasta la vista, pelota. Okay. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah,
1: right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I very much remember those two years of Joe Angel and Giants went to the World Series that one year. Tim McCarver did some games for the Giants on TV that year.
2: I enjoy that. Not a McCarver guy, not a fan. (laughs) Um, Then Greg Papa came in for a few years, 2004-2006.
1: Dave Fleming comes in 2006, and then Affelt and Javi Lopez uh, come in in 2017. So quickly, we'll go through the radio side. Do you remember David Glass? I do not. Okay, so David Glass... I looked at that name and I don't remember that. David Glass is uh, in the same years as Greenwald and Gary Park on the tv side so he was right in that same time frame i very much remember david glass because he would have been doing stuff with greenwald when i liked literally the season that i started paying attention um you mentioned wayne Hagen; he was a radio only guy for two years 87 to 88 i think he eventually took kuyper's spot
2: in colorado that sounds right. Uh, so I think I mixed those. I mixed him and Fairly up. I think on the YouTube channel. So that's old man memory.
1: Yeah. So uh, so Hagen does uh, Oakland A's eighty-one to eighty-four. Does Giants eighty-seven to eighty-eight. Does the White Sox from eighty-nine to ninety-one, and does the Rockies from ninety-three to two thousand and two. So yeah, he replaced Kuyper, or maybe he worked with Kuyper, so he may not have replaced him, but I think he worked with Kuyper. In uh, in that one season, um, and then goes on to the Cardinals 2003 to 2006, and then to the Mets 2008 to 2011. So that's pretty cool because I always wondered. I, I liked him, and I wondered where he went after that. But so he had a, he had a nice long career. Um, Barry Tompkins did some stuff for the radio side in t- 1993. Another guy like Ted Robinson who. Does like tons of different sports <laughs> and Barry Tompkins. Here's some great trivia. Of Barry Tompkins. He calls. Uh, I think it is Balboa versus Drago and Rocky four. Oh, wow. That's I think, awesome. <laughs> I think he's on the call for that for that fight.
2: That is so cool.
1: <laughs> and then, so, obviously, then Kruko, Miller, Fleming, and then Greg Papa again. So, you know, lots of memorable announcers, and I just love, you know, kind of going through that stuff and remembering oh, those yeah. guys. Like, you know, if someone tells me, oh, man, you know, I used to like it when Wayne Hagen was doing... I'm like, what? Like, how do you remember
2: that name? I thought I only knew that name. Well, and a side note on Fleming... Um, in 2000, he was with the Vis- uh, Visalia Oaks in uh, single A, and I did a few games, not too many games. I was kind of uh, being phased out, and I, my own doing. I wasn't, um, you know, just kind of wasn't in that path anymore. But I did some some games for the San Jose Giants in 2000, uh, and so I crossed paths with Fleming. Um, I don't remember many conversations. I think we just basically shook hands, said hi. Uh, um, you know, you didn't you didn't have a whole lot of time to sit and talk to the other broadcasters because you were getting your pregame ready, talking to your engineers, doing your interviews and everything else. Uh, but so yeah, so yeah, Fleming was with uh, Visalia when I was in San Jose right at the end there. So that was kind of fun. And do you and rem- then he was with Stanford, too? Yeah. Do you remember
1: Robert Portnoy's story about Dave Fleming? I don't. OK. So Rob Portnoy, someone who we went to school with, we, we did San Jose State Radio with, he is uh, he's in what? New Mexico, right?
2: Yeah. And we'd love to have him on the show. So we're, we are going to get him on the show because he has some some good San Jose Giants stories as well.
1: Yeah. So Rob is, you know, he's he's a broadcaster, he has been doing it forever. He's still, he was like a really good golfer back in the day, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's what he was like going to school for or something. So anyways, I had this conversation with Rob and he's like, "You know Fleming? You know how Fleming got his job?" And I was like, "I mean, I just I just assume he sent in like his tape or whatever." And he's like, "Well, the Giants were actually looking at his partner. And so Fleming was doing games at Stanford with somebody else, and then they heard Fleming and they fell in love with Fleming. So, like they didn't even go, they they weren't even looking t- to him. They were listening to the tapes." for whoever he was working with, thinking that that was someone they wanted to bring on the team. And eventually it was like, no, this guy's really good. <laughs> and they brought Fleming in. I always thought oh, that wow. was a ridiculous story. But uh, yeah, Rob Rob told me that. and And look, you know, Rob did minor league baseball for years, he got to, uh, what was the, the Milwaukee? He was in the Brewers organization.
2: No, he was actually in the, uh, uh, I hate to say it, but he was in the Dodgers organization Mm. with Albuquerque. Mm. And then he would come, uh, so, so the last few years he did uh triple a baseball, he'd come here. Uh, once we got our, um, our aces, Team, uh, and then we'd go out to dinner and drinks oh, cool. and stuff afterwards. So yeah, so we got to hang out a few times. I'd hang out in the booth with him and just stand in the back. And that's cool. Reminisce. So it was kind of fun. And then now, so yeah, now he's with New Mexico uh, because of COVID. We don't get to get together right now, but he's um, you know invited us out to some basketball games because New Mexico comes here to play against UNR. So we've gone to some football games on on uh, you know on on his tickets. He's got some tickets for us every time he comes into. And, and, uh, so it's fun, you know, it's fun to hang out and see him and, and it doesn't always work out sometimes, you know, with kids, you got birthday parties, you yeah, got all yeah, kinds yeah, of other yeah. crazy stuff going on. But, um, but yeah, I'd love to have him on the show and just, you know, kind of tell us about his triple A travels and cause we haven't talked too much about that. So that'd be kind of fun.
1: Yeah, no, we should, we should talk to him. I mean, it's been outside of our fantasy sports leagues. Uh, I haven't talked to him probably since the early to mid 2000s. So that's been a while. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll get him on. Cause he's, he, I mean, he's a professional broadcaster. So I mean, he's yeah. legit. He's a legit broadcaster.
2: Yeah. We're just, you know, <laughs> playing the part.
1: We're just living, <laughs> we're just living our dreams and, and he's, he, he, he did, he, that's his livelihood. So I, yeah. I, I love that about him too. Cause he's stuck oh, yeah. with it for sure. All right, so that's gonna be it for here. Uh, we'll be back next week, and we'll, you know, we'll be talking about the uh, the story of players and owners, and whether or not we're gonna get the season that we think, and everything that's gonna happen. I'm sure something will come up in Giants land that we'll be able to talk about. Uh, you know, I, one thing I was gonna bring up, someone who I will not miss seeing twenty. Eighteen times a year, whatever is Nolan Arenado. That's right. Signs with the uh, St. Louis, so we'll see him a few less times next or this year, this baseball season, because he just destroys us every time we see him for whatever well, reason.
2: And the nice thing is, if you know, since he's with the Cardinals, if we do see them in the playoffs, we have a uh, tendency to knock out the Cardinals in the playoffs, so we can knock him out, and it'll be fun.
1: Absolutely. This
2: year, right. 100%. <laughs>
1: uh, okay. So, uh, so yeah. So, we'll see you next week. So, for Brad, I'm Garrett. Uh, see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.